0: this week. We weren't here uh, last week. Last week we saw in Genesis twelve that even though Abram uh, had faith that God was calling him and using him, responding to the promises. We'll uh, get back to the, the meat of those promises today. Uh, that that uh, he stumbled. Uh, we saw Abram go to Egypt and try to pull a, a ruse. Uh, over and it didn't work. Uh, God came to his rescue. Verse 17, but the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. We saw God's intervention uh, for him. And so, at the very beginning of our passage for today, uh, we see that Abram leaves Egypt. He travels back uh, to where he was located before, back to where he first worshiped. I don't want you to miss this element of worship that he called upon the name of the Lord. Uh, We're talking even just in our Discover Gospel class today that worship and serving the Lord is not just for when we're here at church or at a building or at a program or a, a ministry like uh, going to get trained for Child Evangelism Fellowship or serving with Project Shine or VBS this summer or uh, the crew that left for camp out of our parking lot before many of you arrived this morning. Uh, It's not just for those visible times. Worshiping uh, is when we're not here. Developing that relationship with God, calling upon Him, praising Him in your car or when you need something, or when you have something to praise. You, 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 you do that, and we see that here uh, in this, that Abram is a man of faith, a man of worship. And so, uh, today uh, you, you might narrow a lot of your choices in life down to two. Uh, there's two kinds of operating systems on computers, or there's two kinds of soft drink uh, beverage, there's Pepsi and there's Coke, and you might narrow these down to like two different choices, and you go on and on down this big list of things. Today we're going to look at two kinds of character. This really will be a two-week mini-series on Abram and Lot. I'm going to be really honest with you, Lot's character is uh, befuddling me a little bit in in this passage. I'm I'm working hard at this, and so today is going to lay a a foundation. Uh, There are some things we'll be able to say about Lot. There are some things uh, the scripture leaves a gap and there's some things after we encounter his character in this section that we that we won't know and we'll be able to fill in. All right? So two kinds of character today. Uh, the strongest character, uh, one of our beloved worship team members this morning said, "Well, uh, I already know which character is the right one, and I'm just going to listen uh, so make sure he gets it right." <laughs> All right, so I'm about to get this right. We're going to start off with the strongest character in this passage, and that is Abram's character. It is a godly character that operates out of faith. None of our character. We think about earlier in in thinking about characteristics of fathers. Think about any steps of growth of character. Man, woman, old, young, in between. Wherever God is working, our character isn't about ourselves. Our character is about what God is doing. Faith is how we enter into that relationship and how we can be be changed. Abram heard God's call. God spoke to Abram and said, go. We've been memorizing that, trying to memorize that. He obeyed. Then he slipped up. He tried to cover for himself. God bailed him out. Faith will always lead to a blessing. Now, uh, Abram is materially well set up. And we'll struggle with that a little bit this morning. Uh, You don't have to have a lot of stuff in order to be blessed by God. You can follow God wherever you are on the... Uh, income or a material blessing uh, spectrum. That's not always a, a guarantee, uh, but it is part of this story, and I don't want to shy away from that being on the text. Part of Abraham's blessing did involve that increase in stature. Uh, we will see that wealth is not the goal. I want us to frame this uh, first and foremost, as we start today, uh, in, in the eyes of faith and what it means to us. Abram is a character, if you did a quick Google search, uh, verses about Abram in the Bible, you'd see a lot of verses in the Old Testament about Abram, or Abraham, uh, as his name will change later. But then you will see verses in the New Testament about him. So we believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and died for our sins. That he was hung on a cross and he suffered and he died. And uh, the amazing beauty of Jesus' sacrifice is that uh, many people would say, I can, I, I can buy my own work, save myself. I can do just a little bit more than everybody else, and God will evaluate that, and he will say, you're good enough, and he will forgive me, and he will let me into heaven. Well, that's false thinking. Uh, Paul uses some very strong language with the Galatians in chapter 3, and I just want you to see this as we're framing uh, what, we, what, we think about, uh, what we think about faith. I'm going to go ahead and read this. It's a powerful little passage. If you'll just go ahead and advance the slides when I get to the end of each one, that'd be great. Ephesians 3 and 1 through 6. Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Have you begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? All right, so we don't come to Jesus by our own works. We don't grow in Jesus or see him do anything in our lives or develop our character by our own works. It all happens by faith. And if we think otherwise, then we should understand what Paul calls that is foolish. And who is referenced to make that point? Abram, Abraham. He believed God. And that's his relationship with God is faith. So we can't have godly character without operating out of faith, And so uh, let's take a look here today at what happens with Abram's faith that can instruct us. Here's where we'll introduce the, the conflict into the story. We'll, we'll illumine what Pastor Bud read for us. This is a, a conflict that, in some senses, it, it's not too much of a stretch for us to figure out. There are, are two people here. One is Abram, and, and then today we're, uh, we're introduced into the story uh, in, in kind of a way here about Lot. We're going to talk about Lot a little. Had to do at least one of those, sorry. But Lot had a lot of stuff too. He was with Abram. He was with and, and under the blessing and under the, the promise. He's Abram's nephew. And he had a lot of stuff too. And so the fact that the land where they were, couldn't support both of them. It's basic math. There's one piece of land and two people with a lot of animals and a lot of people with them and a lot of stuff. Hey, uh, sometimes conflict just happens and we need to find ways, ways to do this. So before we understand Abram's response to this conflict, I want us to understand the purpose of why this is written and what is going on. I've done this a couple times in Genesis. I'm going to eliminate one person in the room from answering this question. But who remembers the original purpose of bubble wrap? In the back. Wallpaper. Wallpaper. Nick knew he was eliminated. He must have a radar for when I'm going to be talking about bubble wrap. He's here today. I'm glad you're here, Nick. All right, so yes, the original purpose of bubble wrap was wallpaper. and I talked about that. Now, I brought our friend back. It's been a while since I brought the dog. Anybody remember a dog's name? Buddy. Buddy the Dog. Now I promise that I don't just get bored in sermon prep and think about when I can insert Buddy the Dog into the sermon for every oh, it's cute. It's really not if you get up close to it. It's kind of filthy. Maybe somebody should get me some hand sanitizer before I, you know, start to shake people's hands afterwards, because it's it's quite disgusting. Uh, I am certain that whoever made this dog did not make it to have... uh, I picked this up this morning, and I did not add any props. Our youngest daughter loves this dog, and I don't know what she thinks sometimes or how she plays with the dog, but apparently she thought that he needed stickers in his fur, and we got a little bit of a Band-Aid here, and this Band-Aid here is kind of hanging off and not really stuck anymore. And if you get really close, you can see this is completely nasty. I think someone has tried to feed Buddy the dog. I'm serious. It's really gross. This is not the original purpose of the dog. <laughs> okay? It's not. You're supposed to be able to turn the dog on and put a battery in or something and it'll bark at you and kind of do its thing and you know, kind of rough, ruff, ruff or whatever and play. And it's supposed to be all cute and you're supposed to go, ah. But it's not the original purpose. It's kind of disgusting at this point. So I'm going to put it down because I feel filthy now. I'm going to leave Buddy back over in his side. He can stay there. The original purpose of bubble wrap was used as wallpaper. The original purpose of Buddy is to be a lot cuter than he is right now. The original purpose of understanding what's going on in Genesis 12, 13, and beyond is for the Israelites. Get your time frame here. These events were first written down and delivered to God's people The strongest conservative scholars will say that the the time that it was first written down and delivered to God's people is before they were going to go into the promised land, which didn't happen for hundreds of years later. And so they're getting a character of God, who he is, the creator in Genesis, the judge, he's over all... He's over all of marriage. He's over all of life, over the whole world. They had a very limited view. They didn't understand what the whole world was, but they they knew God was over all of it. And, And here in Genesis 12, as this story gains momentum, they see the importance of faith. This is the original purpose of this document, is to see how God is calling and how people respond. And faith is a big part of that. And so what does faith do in its original purpose, its original context? How does faith change Abram when there's a conflict? Hey, Lot, you and I are both blessed. We have a lot of stuff. We both can't stay here. The land can't bear it. Abram has godly character that publicly and generously trusts the Lord. Who had the right to pick what land they got. Abram did. Why? Because he was the uncle and he was oldest and that's how it would have gone down in their culture. Would have deferred to the oldest one. So you're Abram and you have a conflict with your nephew and you can go to him, and everybody in the culture would nod their head and say, Yeah, makes sense for you, Abram, to pick what you're going to do. Well, Abram is a man who's under God's promises. In the very last installment of this story, we saw God work in a way where he afflicted Pharaoh's household with plagues so they wouldn't mistreat Sarai. He bailed, God direct, or he bailed Abram out directly of the dilemma that he had created by lying. And so Abram knew he was under God's promises, and at this point, that faith turns into generosity. He says to his nephew, take whatever you want. I know God has given a land, and I'm content with being under his promise. That's exactly what Abraham communicates in the way he approaches Lot in resolving this conflict. And so because Abram knows God's promises and because he was the oldest and deferred, it shows a trust in who God is. And that trust leads to living with generosity. Do we really, with what God works and brings about, with our, our finances, our possessions, our homes, our time, the sum of all that we have, God? do we really have a contentment that allows us to be generous and say, I know that God will will care for me. I want to be generous and I want to show that I trust him and I'm walking in faith. That is a message that leaps off this page. Wealth is not the goal. Wealth is a part of the story, but it's not the goal. This passage doesn't say, if you are blessed, you get a bunch of stuff. This, stu- this passage says, whatever you're blessed with, you give it and you trust God. Wow. So no matter our education level, no matter our zip code, our address, no matter what our W-2 says at the end of the year, we can be people who walk in faith and trust who God is. Sometimes that will lead to God's blessing. Our lives will stabilize. We'll get a different position or a promotion. Sometimes that will happen. Sometimes we may stay stay where we are and God can use our, our contented path and use it well as we grow and learn and are consistent in our generosity and model to others. This is what godly character is. It trusts in faith that God is who he says he is and that his promises are true. There is... A summary. Here, here, let's go back to this. These first three verses. What did God say to Abram? Go from your country and your kindred, your father's house and the land I will show you. This is a big deal. Remember this. This isn't just a little game that God is playing of cat and mouse with Abram. He's asking him to give up his identity, his land, and to trust him with what his identity will be. I've got a different land for you, and by this point in the story, Abram is growing, he's maturing, and he's showing that. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And bless those who, who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse, and in you, all the families on earth shall be blessed. We don't want to miss those promises. We don't want to miss their safety and their protection for Abram. But there's another kind of character on the page. And this is where we leave a little bit of a cliffhanger, but I'm going to call it a disconnected character. It is a, a conflicted character. You might insert your own word. I want to say a couple of characteristics as we begin to till the soil with who Lot is. He's not talked about much directly, I want today to be a good challenge to our character to see if we're really walking in faith and trusting God for our growth. I want to say just a couple of things quickly about Lot. A disconnected character may appear good or experience blessing. We see in this that Lot too had wealth. It may appear that because he is with Abram, that he too is Completely trusting God may appear that way. The second thing we'll say about a disconnected character, again, we're going to see a lot more of this as we continue looking at Lot's response next week. But I would say that it experiences conflict because of a blurred spiritual vision. Ultimately what happens is Lot isn't able at this point in his life to separate out what he wants from what God wants. He is not walking in the same safety of the promises that Abram is. And so I'm not creating tension in this this morning. The story itself, in the way that it is told, in the arc of the story, is creating the tension for us. We have a godly character walking in faith at this point. We have a disconnected character. We'll read a lot more about Lot next week. Today, we have an opportunity as we close to challenge ourselves. I want to speak today since it's Father's Day. Part of this message preparation landed on my own heart. As a husband and a father of three kids that I love. And so, men, I want to challenge you right now. I want you to think about your kids. Well, think about your love for them. Are we men of faith? Do we have character in our lives that's growing and changing because, because there's something in here that God we said, God, enter in. I want you to stick in here. I want you to be what drives me and changes me. Are we men who are generous with our finances, or our time, or sacrificial in our homes? Would our our wives or our children see that in us? Even if they couldn't describe it exactly, they would see those characteristics. Would they know that our faith is really changing us to the core of who we are? Hey, that's not a guy over there He doesn't love his kids, and he's not growing just because he's a good dad. He's got something different. He's got Jesus inside of there. He's got the Holy Spirit living inside of him. And he's really growing. Is our character moving in a direction away from our past and our sin and toward walking in faith and trust with God? It's a great challenge for us. I'm so glad Jesus helps us. Are we generous with forgiveness and grace? I don't have a problem being generous with accountability. (laughs) Right? This is the way you're supposed to do it. Come on. Those dishes aren't going to put themselves in the dishwasher. Come on. Accountability, I could be generous with that all the time, but can I be generous with grace where it's needed and forgiveness or even ask for that? And say, I blew that, family. You need to forgive me. I'm asking you for that today. Can we have those conversations? If God is speaking somewhere where there's some blurry things in, in your life, men, today's a great day to, to have it be clear. Maybe you're lying about something or covering up some some sin like Abram tried to cover up. Maybe you're hiding some feelings and a conflict that needs to be brought into the light. Hearing these things and responding to these things clarifies it. it. Says yes, this is my character. I want to grow away from this. I don't want to be this. I don't want to be blurry. I don't want to be a disconnected character. I want to know. I want people to know where I stand. And that's because God is working. There is faith driven character. I'll close today with this illustration. I've never heard this guy's name before until I found this little story. But I think it it speaks to what God can do when we allow him to shape and form our character. And So whether you're a father today or um, you're a a young single person wondering what uh, your life will be like and how you're growing and how people perceive you or Um, you happen to be listening, uh, men, uh, women, all ages, it doesn't matter. I hope that you'll hear this story and and ask how, how your faith in Jesus Christ is changing you today. When I was a small boy, I attended church every Sunday at a big Gothic Presbyterian bastion in Chicago. The preaching was powerful and the music was great. But for me, the most awesome moment in the morning service was the offertory when 12 solemn, frack-coated ushers marched in lockstep step down the main aisle to receive the brass plates for collecting the offering. These men, so serious about their business of serving the Lord in this magnificent house of worship, were the business and professional leaders of Chicago. Now, if you're listening... Uh, At this point in the story, I'm kind of scratching my head. like, Where are they going with this and character? I didn't quite get it, so just stay with it. Here we go. One of the 12 ushers was a man named Frank, and it's L-O-E-S-C-H. I'm just going to say Loesch. He was not a very imposing-looking man, but in Chicago, he was a living legend, for he was the man who had stood up to Al Capone. In the Prohibition years, Capone's rule was absolute, The local and state police and even the FBI were afraid to oppose him. But single-handedly, Frank Loesch, as a Christina layman, and without any government support, organized the Chicago Crime Commission, a group of citizens who were determined to take Mr. Capone to court and put him away. During the months that the Crime Commission met, Frank Loesch's life was in constant danger There were threats on the lives of his family and friends, but he never wavered. Ultimately, he won the case against Capone and was the instrument for removing this blight from the city of Chicago. Frank Loesch had risked his life to live out his faith. Each Sunday at this point of the service, my father, a Chicago businessman himself, never failed to poke me and silently point to Frank Loesch with pride. Sometime I'd catch a tear in my father's eye. For my dad and for all of us, this was and is what authentic living is all about faith, selfless, courageous, risky, generous, sacrificial. Does it sound amazing? It's a big adventure to follow Jesus Christ. It's not just a safe little thing where we say a prayer and go on with our lives. It's turning our lives over and saying, I'm going to walk in obedience to Him. He's the one. He sacrificed for me, He bled and died for me. I'll walk in faith because I know that I can't handle it myself. I don't want to be foolish like the Galatians. I don't want to try to grow on my own. I can't be saved on my own. I can't mature in my character on my own. I want whatever comes out of me to be because God is in me.